You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. You are very welcome. I am Ahanu, and this is my lovely Angel Rose. Today, we're talking about things coming full circle. And I have my own little story to tell and a little uh, reading from my own book, which started off as The Reincarnation of Columbus, but which I split into three books, which are now called Why Did He Die? The Reincarnation of Columbus and The Angel of the Forest. But there's one particular chapter in there that I want to tell you about today. And it's very interesting how one feels sometimes that you come full circle in your life. I remember when I was a child with my sister, perhaps seven, eight, nine, ten years of age, and playing cowboys and Indians and carrying on as children do. But we very often reenacted something that happened in Tombstone City in Arizona. Now, why we would do that, I don't know. It may have been the influence of cinema and the the John Wayne series that might have been on at the time or whatever. That could have been it. But I feel there's something more to it because as it turns out, we're now living just a few hours from Tombstone City in Arizona. And we're going to explore that. But Angel Rose, you didn't like the place, did you? Well, it's interesting that you're going to discuss this because I was obsessed with Tombstone before we got there. I mean, it was, in my mind, it was a place that I knew I had lived. I wanted to go back there. I wanted to walk, walk the streets. So, but when we got back there, um, first of all, it was ungodly hot, and you know, me in the heat. Oh gosh, Arizona so in general, hot. but that is like so close to the Mexican yeah, border. It was, it's right there in that band of high desert heat. It's 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 obsessive. And I found that I was reacting to the place not in a positive way. I mean, you remember I was walking those streets of Hanu and I was getting dizzy and sick to my stomach. And eventually, you know, you're going to tell the story, but eventually I couldn't wait to get out of there. So in terms of reconciling past lives, which is what you're going to talk about, I went there. I felt that it was not as romantic as I had imagined. My memories were really of struggle and of a kind of a depressed way of life so tombstone as romantic as it sounds okay and interesting as it can be um I mean, we we even dressed up and got our pictures taken remember you were a gunslinger and i was <laughs> we did. A, a woman i don't know where that picture is it was kind of funny the tourist things that to you dress do. up like that yeah yeah but, and but you are talking about the modern tombstone now yeah those two but we went back there because we felt we had a memory there that's right which indeed i we both had um and, you know, when you go back to a place, sometimes you relive the place, which is what you're going to share with people. But uh, it wasn't a place I wanted to return to no, by the time I, I left. No, right. But I find that also, that Angel Rose has often talked about picking up soul pieces. The Native Americans indeed talk about that a lot. And um, I believe that that's what we were doing in Tombstone. But it, not just in Tombstone, in various places around the United States and the world 
where we have both traveled. I think in these places we do indeed pick up soul pieces. I think we do we do reconcile the past. And that, I think, is the, the message of today, is that if you feel guided to visit someplace, if you feel pulled or drawn, I think it's important to go there. If you can. I do too. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like Tombstone was an obsession for both of us. Yeah. We both wanted to go there. So have a listen and let us know what you think. So this is from book three of the Healing from Grief series called The Angel of the Forest. And it's a chapter called The Wild West. In the light of Angel Rose's experience with the Native American scout in Glendalough, and my own coincidences from Connecticut and Chicago, I felt a compulsion to get to the places that were drawing me. It was as if that old idea of picking up soul pieces could no longer be ignored. I was pulled by a sense of inevitability about it all. I was in the hands of eternity and I could resist it or allow it. It's only earth, Angel Rose said, sensing my newness to the idea of there being a big picture. Don't be so caught up in the outcome of everything. Relax and enjoy the ride. I'm afraid of what I'll find, I said slowly. I think I need one of those, what do you call them? Former life impressions? No, 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 past life regressions. I know, I'm just playing with you, I joked. At the same time, I was never so serious in all my life. I moved the idea of a past life regression around in my head. Would a past life regression make sense of all those coincidences and synchronicities in my life? Would it tie the pieces of my life together so it made sense? Would the reasons I'm here at all show some purpose in this big picture? I decided to pay a visit to my friend Linda, who was an experienced past life regressionist who lived on Native American territory high in the mountains of Southern California. The decision to visit Linda was prompted by our decision to move to California, more or less following the lead of our unfolding lives together. It felt much like a sleuth or an investigator might follow a line of inquiry. So, as the trees began to lose their leaves in the fall of 2012, we embarked on the long 2,400 mile road trip across the United States of America. The journey west to California was itself a remarkable road of self-discovery. As if we were picking up those soul pieces, the memories and clues of every time we had been here together, every step of the way. In preparing for the trip west, we felt very much like our pioneer predecessors, leaving behind all they loved to cross the mountains and plains of the newly discovered world following that great advice, go west, young man. But what was different about this adventure was the eerie feeling of retracing steps formerly taken in a past life, of going back in time, remembering sadness, danger and excitement all at the same time, all along the way. Every day we drove into a new experience and like our pioneers of the past, our journey west began to unfold into another representation of our twin flame journey into the new world of consciousness. Country music enthralled us as we drove the music highway between Nashville and Memphis, Tennessee. 
we visited the grand old Opry in Nashville, where we were transported back in time to the good old days of country music. The rhythms of Loretta Lynn, Johnny and June Cash, Tammy Wynette, Dolly Parton and others all showed amazing determination to succeed, despite all the odds. We were told that even the King, Elvis Presley, on his first appearance at the Grand Old Opry, was told by the stage manager to stick to his trucking job. The inspiration of those country music stars kept us rolling down the miles as we crossed the Mississippi River into Little Rock, Arkansas. A wonderful southern breakfast awaited us before we left Little Rock and more great food was ahead of us when we stopped in Texarkana for our first meal in the Lone Star State. We had started a weekly podcast the previous year called the Honest to God series, which is now the World of Empowerment podcast. And we founded that on 11.11.11 and relaunched it on 2.11.22 at podcast.worldofempowerment.com. And on our journey west, we wrote and we broadcast along the way. Following our experience with the struggling stars in Nashville, our broadcast that day was all about encouragement and perseverance. It was timely. These were the qualities evident in the people we met along the way, but mostly from the survivors we heard about on the news. We had left the windy, wet east coast as Hurricane Sandy began its destruction off Cuba. By the time we reached Texas, Superstorm Sandy had become the deadliest and most destructive hurricane of the 2012 Atlantic hurricane season, as well as the second costliest hurricane in US history at the time. We wrote and broadcast about the difficulties people suffered in its aftermath, but more about their resilience, their courage and their willingness to help the less fortunate. We would have been in the thick of it on the East Coast had we waited an extra couple of days but now we found ourselves in deep gratitude, listening to thunder and watching lightning streak across the wide Texas sky. Between the news updates about the devastation from Hurricane Sandy, the Texas TV stations showing episode after episode of the Virginian and the High Chaparral, sending us back in time to our childhood games of cowboys and Indians. It was only after passing Cisco that the long drive across Texas reminded us of those great movie scenes with the cactus, the dry brown prairie grass, the stunted low-growing trees, all eking a living from the arid landscape. The sensation of going back in time was brought home to us in many other ways too. Not only did we have daylight savings time going back one hour on the first Sunday in November, we went back two time zones in Texas alone. The wilderness, once dotted by wild mustangs and coyotes, was spotted with donkey pumps and oil rigs, a reminder of man's progress and a throwback to my own oil man days in the North Sea, Egypt, Libya and Pakistan. On entering New Mexico and into the mountain time zone, we dropped back another hour. Adding to the sense of going back in time, the billboards advertised the Wild West museums and exhibitions of old-timers like Annie Oakley, Wild Bill Hickok, Doc Holliday, Jesse James, Texas Jack and Wyatt Earp. The stores advertised six guns and bullwhips amid the plastic and neon fast food outlets. The struggle to compete for life itself, the effort to survive, 
seemed even more evident here. We watched our reactions to these blatant reminders of the past, the present and what the future would bring, but the biggest sense of the past was yet to come as we entered Tombstone City, Arizona. Even the dead were alive in Tombstone. Shortly after sunup, the dry desert sand was hotter than gun barrel as we entered the OK Corral. Six guns at the ready in case of trouble, we knew we were stirring up long dead grudges, once thought forgotten. Would the ancestors remember those deadly days? Would they see through our modern disguise and try to settle an old score? We waited in the silence of the old saloon. And then suddenly, out of the dim shadows, Ahanu! I heard it loud and clear from my right, and Rose woke me from my wanderings into the past. We were watching a reenactment of the gunfight at the OK Corral. It was as if I knew every move, every word spoken, every sound as the deadly duel began to unfold before our eyes. I could feel it in my body, the urgency of the unexplored, lawless Wild West. I could sense the insatiable urge inside me, an urge driven by opportunity, greed, hatred, hunger, sex, land, gold, lawlessness, revenge, and a pioneering spirit of humankind. But Tombstone was to reveal a different opportunity for me this time. Known as a town too tough to die, I felt it would never die because there was always too much forgiveness to do. The old scores seemed to fester in the hot desert landscape of the ever-living dead. It became very clear to me that this time we came for forgiveness. As I woke into the reality of my surroundings, Angel Rose looked just as I had remembered her. She was a lady brought on the wagon trains with her aging parents from the refinement of Chicago, struggling through all the trials and the trails and the pioneer days to settle the West. She was vulnerable out here, like a cut flower exposed to the blazing sun in the barren waste of the Arizona desert, with the barest of attention keeping her alive, except the day three men raped her. They hung me for murder before our union could be made one. Being back here again in this time period, I felt the cold hand of that death still festering inside me. It was as if Tombstone was the very place where the legacy of all murder and death came to life. And it seemed to me that Tombstone was the most appropriate place to bury all of those memories from the past, including the ones from this lifetime. But I knew better than most how difficult that was. All races, all countries, all people have been guilty of rape and murder or displacing indigenous peoples, of pillage and plunder, and the bigger picture of our journey west came flooding into my experience. I couldn't sleep that night. So, at sunrise, I quietly left the modern safety of the hotel room, and I climbed the hill outside the little town. Being careful to avoid the 74 native species of cactus, I stepped through the desert scrub and the mesquite trees to the summit where suddenly the dawn of the Sonoran Desert transformed the vista 
into a panorama of beauty. The views across the desert behind me and the mining town of Tombstone in front of me flooded me with memories of times long past. Days of hardship and hunger, struggle and fear, of excitement and lawlessness, of drunken nights of bravado and unbridled testosterone, were tempered by a sense of inevitability, of being unable to control my destiny, of being in effect of circumstances, of being a victim in the crime of life. I knelt on the bare dry earth and I prayed to the four directions. I felt a sorrow creep over me, a deep regret for the part I played in perpetuating the power game between men. I asked the soil for forgiveness. I asked the rocks and the plants and the insects and the desert flowers and the cactus. I looked to the sky and I felt for the first time in my life that the earth was accepting my apology. Slowly, as if the sun were rising at the same time as my growing awareness, I began to feel a love for it all. As the sun rose, the light of love rose inside me. Slowly, as the rising sun warmed my face, I felt a warming of my insides. It rose up my spine and comforted my stomach until it reached my heart. And there it stopped as if that was as far as it could go, or that was the extent of its reach. I waited and watched as the morning sun exposed the arid landscape. I could see Boot Hill Cemetery in the distance. Like the name of Tombstone itself, the name of the cemetery was harsh and unambiguous, referring to the fact that many of its occupants were cowboys who died with their boots on, the implications, of course, being that they died violently, as in a gunfight or by hanging, and not of natural causes. We knew we needed to go there. It was midday when we entered Boot Hill Cemetery, a tough-looking place. It contained just gravel, mesquite plants, cactus, rocks and white wooden crosses marking the burial places of the famous gunslingers of the Wild West. It also remembered those unknown, all covered with stones to prevent varmints from digging up their bones. The wooden crosses that did bear names offered a litany of violent death. Killeen, 1880, shot by Frank Leslie. Red River Tom, shot by Ormsby. Marshal Fred White, 1880, shot by Curly Bill. Here lies Lester Moore, Four slugs from a 44, no les, no more. And then there's the unfortunate George Johnson remembered with this. Here lies George Johnson, hanged by mistake, 1882. He was right, we was wrong, but we strung him up and now he's gone. It seemed there was irreverence for life here, a disrespect that almost bordered on funny. I felt the pain someone felt when these men died. Somebody did love them somewhere, sometime. But here it seemed they were just outlaws, or just Chinese labourers, unknown entities to be buried in the dirt with no concept of the power of their consciousness. My mind went to Shangana 
and to where Ryan Columbus was laid in the cold ground. He would be long decomposed now too. The only thing keeping him alive was my memory. When all the dead people through all the ages go out of our living memories, are they then free to reincarnate? Do we keep them earthbound with our needs and our memories? And gravestones, do they keep the dead stuck in this realm by having people read and recall their names over and over again? Do we mark our graves with the names of our deceased to perpetuate their memory in the living, just like my father named me, Kevin? We both stayed the longest time in the graveyard, pondering and praying. Then we pondered some more and we prayed some more. And when we felt completeness, we moved up the street to the OK Corral. There we waited until noon. There was no rush, no urgency to be anywhere. There was something here that needed completion. It was something deep inside us, something old, something unhealed that was being stimulated to the surface. Just as I was formulating these thoughts, I felt a bullet enter my heart, while moments later another penetrated my right temple and I fell to the ground in shock. With the last remaining moments of consciousness, I saw the shape of the infinity symbol in Angel Rose's beautiful eyes as my blood drained the last of my life onto the wooden floor of the saloon. It was as real as the old opera house across the street, the bank, the newspaper office, the saloon or the gambling hall down the block, but not as tangible. This was a memory, a thought racing across the passages of time, a feeling of old familiarity that had been festering fast. I could see the pattern of our lives being repeated over and over again, and the reality that it would continue to do so, unless. In that moment, suddenly, out of the dim, dark shadows of the past, came forgiveness. It came quickly, like death itself. It was like a realisation, an understanding, an idea that flashed through as fast as a thought. What was there before was all gone in an instant. All the preconceived ideas, all the judgments, all the misperceptions, all the wrongdoings were erased in one fleeting flash of forgiveness that at the same time seemed eternal. There had never been any separation. There was no death. We had not murdered, raped, pillaged, abused or stolen anything from anyone. We had not been drunk, drugged, lazy or unfit. We were not codependent, manipulative, inflexible or unloving. We were all innocent and whole and perfect. It was our own thoughts that had enslaved us. It was the conclusions that we ourselves made from our own experiences that had locked the gates to freedom. It was the beliefs that we developed in our minds that closed the doors to our divinity. It was our memories that kept the pain of death alive in our bodies. 
No words were spoken. It was as if the two of us arrived at the same conclusion at the same time. It was the past life being reconciled, a part of the fabric of reality being stitched back together, a cold, bloody, buried past being brought to the surface for healing and release. We walked hand in hand in silence to the car. There were no words spoken or attempts to rationalise what had happened in Tombstone. We felt the reality of our past lives impacting this one without the need for further explanation. We were ready to move forward together, reunited and ready to leave the past behind forever. We hope you enjoyed that. You can get hold of the book on Amazon and we encourage you to get the series, actually the three part series called Why Did He Die? The Reincarnation of Columbus and the Angel of the Forest. So until next time, blessings from myself, Ahanu, and from Angel Rose. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and on our website at worldofempowerment.com. Don't miss an episode. Hit the subscribe button now.